So have you ever noticed that no matter how bad your circumstances are, they are familiar and comfortable, right? And, and that's kind of the thing that makes it difficult to break away from it. Um, I know for, for many years, I lived in one of the worst apartments in town. I won't name it. There was roaches. It was awful. Um, I kid you not, at one point, there was a, a naked chick that would run around drunk in the courtyard with my, my son. I mean, it was about as bad as you could get. And, um, but here's the thing. Um, it, was, it was one of those things that um, I didn't, uh, change scared me, right? Like kind of that, that next season, that next phase, it was uncomfortable. And, and because of that, um, I would not make decisions that would um, cause my circumstances to be different um, because it was, again, it was comfortable. It was familiar. Um, I, I've been stuck in dead-end jobs before, and it wasn't because of my lack of ability or my, my lack of ambition or a little bit because of that, but um, change is scary, right? No matter how bad our problems are, and what we'll do is we'll complain about them and complain about them and, and pray about them and, and ask God all of these things, but when it comes to our part, and I've got news for you, you have a part, right? Um, when it comes to our turn, God says, all right, I'm ready to move. All you have to do is take a step forward. You're like, nah, never mind. I'm gonna stay right here. This, this is good. I'm good here. This is my comfort zone. I'm gonna continue um, just to gripe about everything for just a little bit longer, God. Thank you very much. Have a nice day, right? Because it's easier that way in the long run. And what happens is our circumstances, um, our, our place in life, our situation um, becomes a prison cell. And God's called us out of it, right? He's saying, Aaron, come on, hey, join me. It's better out here. And I say, no, God, I'm trapped. And he's like, but the keys, I gave you the keys. They're in your hand. And, and I'm like, no, no, it's scary out there. It's scary. I remember when I was moving towards sobriety, nothing could be more terrifying in my life than, than the fact of, of looking at a life that was um, shackled to sobriety. But nothing could be more beautiful once I got there, right? But I was stuck there. I remember just all the um, adulterous type of relationships and the promis uh, promiscuity, I can't even say that word, um, pursuing women, right? I'm way too redneck. I need to leave the big words alone. But marriage in a committed relationship was terrifying, right? It was so much easier to pick up women at the bar that I didn't have to call the next day. I mean, the thought of a wife that was there every day that I had to become a good man for. No, 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 thank you, right? But nothing could be more beautiful, right? As God's blessed me with that. And there's these things in our lives that we wanna complain about. And I would pray for a marriage, but I would do nothing to step into it. I'd pray for sobriety and I would do nothing to step into it because it was comfortable at the bottom, right? It was familiar. I knew what rock bottom was like. That was my blanket was there, right? It was my, my comfort animal. My, 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 everything was there. And God's saying, come on, come on, I've got something better. But we stay there by choice time and time again. Tonight's message it's titled this, called out of the booth. Called out of the booth. And you'll understand here in a little bit. You're like, what are you talking about? Toll booth or what? I mean, that didn't really make sense. And what I want to talk about is, is stepping out of past sin, right? The, the slavery of those choices. Uh, the, the bottom that we find ourselves in. Stepping out of whatever is comfortable and whatever is familiar, right? And stepping in to something new, no matter how scary it might be. And as we start tonight, I want us to look at Matthew 
Matthew chapter 9. We're going to be in verse 9. Matthew is the first book of your New Testament, um, the first book of the gospel, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are our gospels. They tell about the life and the ministry of Jesus. And Matthew is the very first one. And here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, it says this, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew. Spoiler, this is the Matthew that wrote the book, right? So Matthew is writing about himself here. Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Say booth. Booth. So what is he doing? He's working, right? He's sitting in his booth. He's sitting where he sat day in and day out, where he would spend his time, where he worked. You know where he was at? Where it was comfortable. He was in the place that was familiar. He was in the place that, that in his mind for so long made his life better. Jesus saw him sitting in his tax collector's booth. And he said this, follow me. Say, follow me. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. That's incredible. That's incredible because it would have been so difficult to step out of that booth. And, and in this time, right, tax collectors, they were not people of desire. Um, they were at the bottom, bottom rung of the ladder, that if you were a tax collector, people despised you for all sorts of reasons. One, they were treacherous thieves, right? They, had, they were turncoats. They had turned their back on, on God and the chosen people of Israel, and they robbed them for a living. And to make matters worse, they worked for the enemy. Matthew conspired with the Roman government to have their boot on the throat of the Israelite people. He would be one of the last people you think the son of God, the savior of the Israelite nation would say, hey, you follow me. But what did Jesus do? He saw him there and he said, Matthew, you got a choice. Stay where it's safe. Stay where it's comfortable. Stay where you have Roman guards, where you have authority. Stay where you have power or step out into the unfamiliar open the door and step out into something new. Break the status quo. Matthew, you can stay there and do what everyone expects you to do, what you've been doing. Or Matthew, you can do something different and you can step out and you can follow me. And that's the same thing he's called us to, right? He's crying out to you now in this moment. He's calling out to you. And will you continue to stay in the booth and say, I'm safe here. I'm, I'm comfortable in my addiction. I'm comfortable watching pornography, pursuing adultery. I'm comfortable gambling. I'm comfortable in my sin. Or will you open Open the door and say, God, I'm ready to pursue something different because that's the call that he's placed on each of our lives, right? He's saying, follow me, follow me, be my disciple. And Matthew, Matthew stepped out of that booth, a booth that I have no doubt at times felt like a prison cell, a booth that isolated him from his family, his friends, the people in the community, and he stepped out and said, I'm going to do something different. And I love as it continues. It says this, later, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable, say disreputable. We just had to say that together because I butchered that other word and I'm just feeling way too country. So we got that one down to win, right? Disreputable sinners. I want you, I want to remind you, Matthew wrote this. Matthew wrote that about himself. 
that, that he invited Jesus. He said, I invited Jesus to my house with tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. He knew who he was. He, he was under no false pretense. He, he didn't set himself apart and say, I'm up here. Jesus called those tax collectors and those disreputable sinners and me. He said, no, he called us disreputable sinners. He, he told me I had a choice. And Jesus knew who I was and I knew who I was without him, but I chose to step out of the booth and chose to follow him and said, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. And I love that picture. And Jesus called, Matthew followed, and then Matthew invites him closer. And so many of us have stopped at that first place, right? Jesus called and we said, yes, Jesus. And then Jesus is asking us, bring me closer. Bring me closer. This, you've stepped out, but bring me closer. Embrace me and embrace what I have for you. He invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. Matthew saw himself as somebody in need of a savior. He saw himself as somebody who was far from God. He knew that he was a disreputable sinner, but he had the courage to step out when Jesus called. Are you ready? Are you ready to step out? Tonight, I wanna, I wanna touch on three, three different things as we look at what it means to step out of our own booth, our own prison cell, whatever that may be in each of our lives. And as we begin, I want us to go to Romans chapter six. We're gonna be in verse 16. I love the book of Romans. We're gonna be in here for the duration of the night. Um, Romans was written by the apostle Paul, right? It was a letter to the Roman church. It is, I've said this before, considered one of the if not the greatest theological work. Um, I always encourage new believers to do two things. Read uh, the Gospel of John. It reveals the deity of Jesus. And if you really want to understand what Jesus came to do, then you move over to Romans, right? It explains it all, beginning to end. Um, so Romans, um, in chapter 6, is one of my favorite chapters. But in 16, it says this, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose, say choose, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. That you can be a slave to your past, right? Jesus, or Matthew could have remained in slavery to the Roman government, which is what he made himself, a slave to that type of lifestyle, right? It isolated him, and he was essentially trapped in it, cut off from friends and family. He wasn't invited over for Christmas dinner um, and, and those types of things. Nobody was saying, hey, Matthew, come cut the cake at the birthday party. No, he was a traitor, right? And he could have remained in slavery to that, or he could do what he, he did, which was choose to follow God. And we have the same opportunity in each of our lives. You know me, I could have, I could have remained in addiction. Uh, you know, when I finally got sober, it was kind of odd. I've been arrested a lot. <laughs> I've had a lot of court cases, but in the end, I had none, right? I was not on paper for anything. I had nothing pending and I had more money in the bank than I've ever had in my entire life. And it's funny that it was in that season, God said, hey, get sober. It's, it's time. He called out to me in that moment. You would have thought it would be when I was facing time in prison. But no, I responded in that day because we have that choice, right? Follow me. Don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, 
where you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. You've been called out of the booth. Point number one is this. We need to realize that we choose whether or not we stay in the booth. But you choose. You have a choice. It, it's, it's not up to somebody else. It, it's up to you. God's word tells us that he wishes that none shall perish, right? And, and so if we look at that and, and we look at the Great Commission, you know, go forth and, and tell every nation, every tongue, baptize everybody, right? God's calling all of us. It's not unique to me. God didn't have a, a special call for my life. Like, I'm going to save Aaron, but uh, maybe just you over there, and I'll take three in the back, and, and you right there. No, he's called all of us together to, to step out of that slavery, to step out of that sin, to step out of the booth. The call is for each of us. The lie is that we don't have a choice. And God's saying, the keys, I've, I've given you everything you need. The moment that we accept him, at the moment of salvation, we're fully equipped to carry out God's plan and purpose for our lives. And it's only lies from the enemy that trip us up, that keep us from experiencing it. And we have to realize again that we choose whether or not we stay in the booth. It goes on and it says, thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now, say but now, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free, say free. Free from the slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. We can choose to remain stuck in that world, right? Stuck in the booth, doing the same things day in and day out. Or we can choose something different, right? We can choose to follow God. We can choose to answer the call. We can become slaves to righteous living. I say, God, even when I don't feel like it, I'll praise you. Even when I don't feel like it, I'll follow you. I'll worship you. Even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to fall to my knees. I'm going to seek you. In every moment, I'm going to seek to understand what you have for my life. That's the call. It's to step into a life that's centered around him. And that's what I want to encourage you to do tonight. I don't know where you're at. But I know this, that if you're stuck somewhere, if you feel trapped, that's not what he has for you. That's not what he's called you to. He's called you to experience something different. He's called you to pursue him. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you become slaves to righteous living. Let's turn to Romans, Romans 7, 24. We're gonna look at the end of chapter seven before jumping into uh, the beginning of chapter eight. Um, in chapter seven, verse 24, it says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Anybody relate to that? Um, yeah, man, just, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've felt that right there. Um, and this is Paul again talking, oh, what a miserable person I am. Um, there's times I know that, my wife and I have finished a passionate discussion um, or my, my kids have done something that I disagree with and I've just finished educating them um, in a very loud tone and I just think, man, what a miserable person I am as, um, as I occasionally um, am able to humble myself enough to go back and apologize uh, to the people around me that I've wounded. Um, but oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, 
The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love that, right? And so, so often we stop at that first part and we're stuck in the booth, we're stuck in the middle. Oh, what a miserable person I am. God, strike me down and kill me. No, well, thank God the answer is in Jesus. That, that's what the enemy wants, right? This is the end, right? You've hit a wall. You're back in the ditch again. You've trapped yourself again, right? You're, you're, you'll never change. It'll always be the same. But no, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, right? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. In verse, just over chapter eight, verse one, it says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I wanna say that again. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. I can't tell you how long I... I kept myself trapped there because I'm like, I'm such a miserable, pitiful person. I'm such a failure. God, if you only knew the things I would, had done, you would have called me. You would have left me to rot in here, right? And that's what I would tell myself. But nothing could be farther from the truth. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And when we begin to realize that, we begin to step out in freedom, and say, God, I'm yours. Like, I want, I want more of that. That mercy, that grace, that forgiveness. Lord, I'm, I'm seeking it. I'm pursuing it. But the enemy wants you stuck. He wants to convince you that the, the times you've messed up, the times you've failed, right? That the, the words that you said out of anger, the times that you've, you've raised your hand in rage, whatever it might have been, that those condemn you. Those disqualify you. But nothing could be farther from the truth. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Point number two is this. We need to remember that there is no condemnation in Jesus. Stop carrying around the weight of your past, the weight of your mistakes, right? So many of us try to step out of the booth and then drag it with us, right? It's like we're chained to it. No matter how far we go, man, we just drag it and drag it. And it's, hey, my name's Aaron. I'm saved. This is all my crap. Have you met my crap and all my mistakes? I can't be the only one that's done that, right? And that's how we define ourselves. But Paul's saying, no, uh you left that in the past, man. You're defined by Jesus. You're defined by what he's done. And that's so much more beautiful because I get to walk up and say, I'm Aaron and I'm free. I don't know whose that is, but that ain't mine no more, right? And we're set free because there's no longer condemnation. It no longer has power over us. We step out of the booth, right? And we step into freedom. We step into it. Matthew didn't go around preaching with Jesus saying, hi, I'm Matthew. I used to work for the Roman government. Do you owe them any money? No. He said, have you met Jesus? Let me tell you about Jesus. Have you met my savior? I'm saved. I'm forgiven. He didn't wear that around. You know, Matthew walked out discipleship with Simon the Zealot. And this guy was so... His sole purpose, Simon's, was to overthrow the Roman government, right? He would have hated Matthew. 
But God brought them together in a way that they were able to co-labor for the things of God. That could only be possible if these words are true, right? That he was able to step away from that past and work hand in hand with somebody who would have deemed him an enemy. Thank God. There was no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And so again, point number two, remember that there is no condemnation in Jesus. Let's, uh, still in chapter eight, just a little bit further down in verse 26, it says this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. It's not the point of the, the passage here, but I just rest on that. Um, I know, uh, I know uh, many people that I've talked to in the past week and some in this room have, have felt drained and like they've hit walls and that they've approached another mountain. But I love just resting in that truth there. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. God hasn't called you to be strong enough. He's just called you to trust him, right? God hasn't called you to have all the answers. He's just asked you to trust that he does. And thank God, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. I love that. I just want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through, you know, Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away because if I do go away, then I can send the helper to you. That's the Holy Spirit. Lean in to what God has sent to us, his spirit. He continues in verse 28 and it says this, and we know, say we know, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28, one of my favorite passages. Um, unfortunately, it's often taken out of context and um, misinterpreted, right? And people will say, well, God's caused this terrible thing to happen to me so he could use it to glorify himself. Not at all what it's saying. God didn't cause any terrible thing to happen to you if you were drug addicts because you're stupid, right? I can say that because I was stupid too. Um, so you can't get your feelings hurt because it's both of us, right? You know, we, we do stupid things because of sin, our sin nature. And in spite of how ignorant we are and how many mistakes we've made, God can still leverage all of that for his good. He takes our bad and uses it for his good and the things that have happened to us. And maybe it wasn't a choice, but just a bad set of circumstances you went through, right? Sickness or, or something that you didn't have anything to do with, no control over, that if you'll allow him to, this verse is saying that God will use it for his glory, for his good. Again, and we know that God causes everything, say everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And point number three is this. We need to trust that God causes all things to work together for his good. And what I love about that is that past that you think disqualifies you, God, God used it as an opportunity for his glory. And we use it to condemn ourselves. And God's saying, no, that's meant to glorify me. 
right? These mistakes that we try to hide and keep secret and we shovel shame and guilt on. God's saying, what, what, are, you, what are you doing with that? No, that is meant to glorify me because when we come out of it, right? When we step out of it, when we walk out of the booth, that dark and shameful and destructive path points to the goodness of God. And it says, look how great my God is. Look how great my God is. Look how great God is. He took a, a turncoat, a traitor of a tax collector, right? And, and used him to glorify himself and to lift up the nation of Israel, right? Completely turned around his circumstances. He used me, who <laughs> I always just remember <laughs> Moses, <laughs> early on, and he's telling God, and God, I don't speak well. <laughs> what are you using me for? And, and it just reminds me of me, because there's just times that, man, I don't know. I can't talk. I'm a like, God. Surely there was somebody that, you know, graduated, um, <laughs> you know, that you could use. I mean, maybe somebody with education, um, you know, all of the things that, that, that I thought that he needed. And he said, no, man. You're just the right amount of jacked up that, that you make me look good, right? That's, that's the beauty. That's the beauty, right? He's saying, man, he takes all of that and he uses it for his good. I remember the first time I shared my testimony, um, part of my testimony. I know many of you know this, some of you may not, but I was sexually molested from eight to 11. Um, that caused me um, to go down a dark road. It led to depression and addiction and all of these things. And, and I remember I, I was serving in kids ministry and I'd just gotten hired on as this children's pastor. And I'd never shared these things publicly. My, my parents didn't know about them. Um, like nobody knew. And I got asked to give this testimony and God's like, well, you need to share that. And I'm like, I don't want to share that. I don't, I don't share that with people. I don't tell anybody. And the, the enemy had convinced me that the moment I shared that, people would call for me to be fired when they found out that um, I'd been abused. What a sick lie from the enemy. <laughs> that somebody who was victimized would need to be called to be fired, right? And looking back on it, I'm like, how stupid. And, but that's what, that's what the enemy said. No, 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 no. That right there, that, that keeps you. They find out about that. That's the end. That's the end. But God kept pushing, kept pushing. And, and I talked to Pastor Rick and, and eventually I was like, all right, I'm gonna share I'm gonna share like everything, everything where the statute of limitations has passed. Um, that was, that was, I was gonna say, that was funnier than you guys were giving me credit for. Um, and so I get up there and I share. And I remember the next Sunday, um, I'm serving over in kids and one of the dads came up to me and, and he said, you know, I used to really like, or he started off, I was there and I heard your, I heard your story. I used to really like that you were over here with the kids. And in my mind, my heart sank. Um, I was like, this is it. Uh, he doesn't want me here with his kids anymore. He found out what a terrible person I am. And he said, but now I'm even more glad. How amazing is that, right? That God says, no, that right there. He said, I'm even more glad. And then a little bit later, it's funny, we just had our church picnic and this was around that time, I believe, because I remember talking to somebody else at the church picnic, same conversation. I used to like that you were with our kids. I'm even more grateful you're there now. And, and that's what he does. He, he does this right here, that we need to trust God causes all things to work together for his good, right? He doesn't cause the bad things to happen, but he will use them to his glory to reach those that are in our circles, right? Your brokenness 
your brokenness, I get it may be a wound and it may hurt. And you may be so stuck in that booth thinking you can never step out and you want to carry it with you all the things, I get that. But I just just want you to trust that if you trust God, he'll use every bit of that, that shame and the guilt that the enemy's thrown on you to glorify him and to lift him up. And he'll take all of that burden away from you. So trust that God causes all things to work together for his good. In verse uh, 29, it says, for God knew his people in advance and chose them to become like his son. And I love that. I mean, because God wasn't surprised. He wasn't like, I'm gonna call Aaron to ministry. And he's like, whoa, whoa, like Jesus, get over here. Did, did you know that, you know where he came from and what he did? No, he, he, he chose his people in advance. He knew us, right? Um, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chose them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What a beautiful passage, right? And God is calling you out of the booth, out of the brokenness, out of the sin. Right now, tonight, he, he's crying out. And he wants to know who's going to answer the call, right? Who's going who's gonna to follow him and be his disciple and step out of the brokenness tonight? I want us to do this right where you're at. Just close your eyes, bow your heads. I want you to spend a moment with God. And I want you to begin to ask him, God, what what are you calling me to? Father, give me the strength, God, to step out of this brokenness, out of this past, out of the the mess and the muck. God, give me the courage and the strength to step into something new and something beautiful. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you so much, Lord, that, that you've called us. God, every one of us, every one of us, Lord, that you've called us, that you cry out to us, Lord, and I just pray. God, I pray that tonight, God, that those that have been too scared to open the door and step out of the prison cell of their own creation, their own making, God, that you would give them the strength and the courage to do so. Father, I pray I pray that you would break those chains of addiction that keep us stuck. God, that you would deal with those lies from the enemy. Lord, whatever, whatever anyone in here is bought into, Lord, if it's not from you, I pray, God, that you would open their eyes and their ears to truth, the truth that you have for them, Lord. And we thank you. God, we thank you for, for loving them, God, and pursuing them and calling them. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so a couple of things. we got some action steps for you tonight. Haley stole my tablet, so I can't really tell you. We'll get them up here on the screen here. Yeah, well, he's a liar. He's a liar. Can we get those up there? I don't know what they are. That's all right. Don't do that either. Um, anyways, there we go. There we Yes! Um, spend time in prayer asking God what he's calling you to. Then listen for his response. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Now I can do my job. Now I can do it. That's all right. Um, but spend time in prayer, right? And it's important. These are the same as last week. And I'll be honest, these will probably be the same for the next few weeks because we don't get this. We don't get this, right? God's not a genie. 
Ask him what he wants you to do, what he's calling you to, and then listen. Not like you listen to your wives, men, right? But like you listen to the announcer on, on the football game, right? Listen intently. God, what are you calling me to? Verify what you're hearing. Um, hearing is God's word. Uh, verify what you're hearing um, with God's word. Remember that God will not contradict himself. That means go to, go to the Bible, right? Go to those that are mature in the faith and see, this is what I'm hearing for God. This is what, I, this is what he's telling me. Is it true? Does it line up? Does it line up with who God is? God doesn't change, right? He's not going to change. He's not going to make an exception for you. It's either from God or from the enemy. If it doesn't line up with his word, it's not from God. Number three, follow him as he leads you out of mediocrity and on to greater works. He's calling you out of the booth tonight. Follow him. He's calling you out of addiction. Follow him. He's calling you out of the brokenness in your relationships. Follow him. Follow him. It's the greatest thing we can do. And I'm going to extend that opportunity tonight. If you're in here tonight and you've never made Jesus Lord, right, that greatest decision, he's cried out to you and cried out to you and cried out to you, and you've never stepped up to the plate. You've never stepped out of the booth. Here in just a moment, we're going to have some people down here at the front, and they would love to pray with you and for you so that you can accept Jesus for the very first time. That's where we realize that we, we can't save ourselves, that we need him. We believe that he's the son of God, and we confess that he'll be Lord of our lives. And, and Lord means that he has authority over us and our decisions. And so if that's you, again, here in just a moment, we're going to have some people down front, and, and we would love just to join you in that prayer and lead you. Number two, maybe you've done that before, right? And you went back to the booth back to the brokenness, and he's, he's calling you back out. If that's you, our same offer stands. If you want to recommit, you can come down here to the front. We would love to lead you in that prayer. And then maybe he's just asking you to set something down. He's been pressing, pushing, saying that right there, that right there, it's time to get rid of it. If that's you, I want to encourage you to come pick up one of our white chips. There's nothing special about this. It's a piece of plastic. But there's something significant about when we trust him, when we act out of faith, and when we step out of our seats, and when we come down here knowing that God's going to move. And then lastly, maybe you're in here and you just need prayer. If that's you, we'd love to pray for you. So for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to step out of your seat and come down front. And if everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.